The aftermath of nonviolence is the creation of the beloved community. The aftermath of nonviolence is redemption. The aftermath of nonviolence is reconciliation. The aftermath of violence, however, is bitterness. And this is the thing I'm concerned about. Let us fight passionately and unrelentingly for the goal of justice and freedom. But let's be sure that our hands are clean in the struggle. Let us never fight with falsehood and violence and hate and malice, but always fight with love so that when the day comes that the walls of segregation have completely crumbled in Montgomery, that we will be able to live with people as their brothers and sisters. And good morning. This is the Beloved Community. Every second Friday at 9 o'clock on 90.7 KBOO and all across planet Earth on KBOO.FM. Four minutes after the hour, my name is John Shuck. And on the beloved community, we look at, well, freedom and justice, beloveds. And we also look at building the beloved community uh, through Martin Luther King Jr.'s Principles of Nonviolence. Today I have a guest uh, who is going to be with me from New York City. Uh, We're going to talk about a number of things. In fact, a big slew of issues related to spying. Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, FISA, is set to expire on the last day of 2017, on December 31st. And this is the language which allows for warrantless spying on all Americans by the NSA. According to uh, Mr. Jameson, Les Jameson, my guest, a vote could be taken as early as today, December 8th, on bills to extend Section 702 and make warrantless spying legal and permanent. Oregon Senator Ron Wyden has proposed legislation to reform 702 and uh, add safeguards to protect civil liberties. Uh, Wyden's bill is called the USA Rights Act. We'll talk about that as well as uh, other other bills, too. We'll cover a lot of ground this morning. Topics include uh, the NSA, Edward Snowden, spying, whistleblower William Binney, who's featured in Oliver Stone's film, A Good American. I just saw that uh, the other night. Very important film. Uh, he, he, uh, he, along with some companions, uh, created software um, for the NSA called Thin Thread, and this software was unplugged by the NSA just three weeks before 9-11. So we'll talk about that, too. We'll discuss that, plus take your phone calls. My guest is Les Jameson. Les lives in New York City, and uh, he's the founder of the website hr14.org. hr14.org provides background on legislation uh, to declassify and release the 28 pages uh, from the Joint Inquiry into Intelligence Community Activities before and after the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001. Uh, Those 28 pages uh, were declassified last year in 2016 and released to the public, uh, although with about 150 redactions. Uh, The initial analysis uh, shows that claims of a cover-up about Saudi support for the 9-11 operation, specifically claims of financial support uh, to some of the accused hijackers, are in fact true. And so uh, Les Jameson was uh, helpful in making sure those 28 pages receive the light of day, and there are many more pages uh, yet to come. So welcome, Les is on the phone. Welcome, Les, to the beloved community on KBOO. Great to be with you, John. Thank you so much. Well, glad to have you here. Let's let's uh, get the current status. Uh, we've got plenty of time this morning to kind of go back and look at the history and and find out what what uh, this is uh, unravel this uh, complex ball of thread here. But let's get the current status on Section Seven O Two of FISA. First of all, what is uh, FISA and Section Seven O Two? Okay, very good. FISA is the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Uh, This was made into law back in 1978, and what it allows uh, our intelligence agencies to do is uh, surveillance and and various uh, perceived threats around the world. And this this is what the the CIA, basically, and uh, NSA are in uh, existence to do. Now, we'll fast forward up to 2008. There was an amendment, and this is where Section 702 uh, was was created, and 
Interestingly, this was in response to the revelations of NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden. So he ties into the picture here uh, because Edward Snowden uh, discovered what was uh, the treatment that Thomas Drake, NSA whistleblower Thomas Drake, and the other whistleblowers uh, that are in the film, A Good American, which you saw, uh, what they were ex uh, exposed to and subjected to in terms of heavy-duty retaliation in the form of lawsuits, in the form of FBI raids um, in the uh, year 2007, all in response to these whistleblowers in the Good Americans um, trying to reveal to the public what they witnessed uh, in their time in the NSA, in, in the NSA's uh, basically uh, suspension and obstruction of the thin thread technology and uh and we're going to talk about all of that as we get yeah, going yeah so so the so the section 702 was put into the law 2008 after edward snowden reported that hey the nsa is way out of control here and they are spying not just on suspicious um threads out there, suspicious um, uh, characters, no, they are actually spying on all Americans. So that's what Section 702 uh, was was made for, to, to attempt to legitimize and legalize that. So here we are now, folks, where uh, the, the Section 702 was scheduled to expire December 31st of this month here, the last day of the year. Now, what various uh, uh, forces within Congress are trying to do is to extend Section 702, 702, possibly to even make it permanent, which would be very, very serious indeed. And there are also some opposing forces, uh, uh, Ron Wyden, I'm sorry, uh, yes, Ron Wyden and Rand Paul have submitted bipartisan legislation, the USA Rights Act, to try and limit the role of uh, the NSA in this, uh, the, the program for warrantless spying. So that's where we are right now. And uh, just to kind of wrap that up, as of two days ago, the, uh, some lawyers within the executive branch announced that uh, due to a technicality <laughs> within the law, they can extend Section 702 through April 26th of 2018. This is due to the fact that April 26th of this year, there uh, was a FISA warrant issued, and the law reads that a warrant is in effect for one year. Now, that said, it's also <laughs> true that uh, forces within the surveillance establishment still want the law to be passed now, this month, where uh, FISA, uh, Section 702 would in fact be uh, implemented, extended, maybe made permanent. So uh, that's what we're faced with. So it's very little time, folks, and that's where the action call comes in, which uh, everybody can read about at hr14.org. Specific points and specific actions uh, to to lobby legislators, and it would be an amazing, amazing task uh, or accomplishment, I should say, uh, to have large segments of the public put their legislators on notice that we're watching, we know what's going on here with uh, the push to uh, further entrench and expand the surveillance state when it's already out of control and already um, way beyond anything or George Orwell would ever have dreamed of. Uh, and now, here's where it really, I think, is crucial to understand that the NSA whistleblowers that are in the film, A Good American, namely William Binney, Ed Loomis, Kirk Wiebe, Diane Rourke, Thomas Drake, they all basically say that the NSA's programs after 9-11 uh, well, of course, b actually before 9-11, and then since, have all failed, 
And when you analyze what they're saying uh, of the way thin thread, which was effective and uh, a fraction of the cost of the other programs, uh, Stellar Wind and Trailblazer, uh, the fact that thin thread was blocked and that instead the NSA replaced thin thread with programs that, number one, first off, removed all encryption and privacy protections and just kept collecting bulk data, volumes and volumes and volumes of data all around the world with really no feasible capability of analyzing that data uh, because it's just humanly impossible. Therefore, the, the NSA surveillance policies are basically designed to fail. When logic would dictate that it should be using the thin thread capability, the thin thread technology, but for whatever, for many many reasons, uh, which we can go into, uh, you know. Yeah, let's go into those in just in just a little bit. Uh, sure. I'm speaking with Les Jameson. Uh, he's uh, lives in New York, uh, and uh, he's he's been involved in issues of. Um, transparency for some time now i just saw what you were talking about uh, just uh, released the, the today in the new york times uh is uh, an article that says that the government wants to um uh continue it can continue 702 effectively till next april due to this technicality and they and but just to get specific about what 702 does anyway it's 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 kind of a sweeping motion that uh as i understand it you can collect the fbi the nsa can collect from domestic companies uh like at&t or google uh phone calls emails texts other electronic messages of foreigners without a warrant even when they talk with americans so it kind of it's that's that's what happens right when americans speak to um, someone uh, have a communication with someone out of the country, their information can be swept up. And not just the, as you say, the metadata, the who, uh, the different points, the actual content of, of, of this material can be uh, swept up into the uh, database. Is that, is, that, is that close? Yes, that's totally a- accurate. And so we get swept up in that. So all of our information is, is really being connected. And this is really a, a change of philosophy. Uh, before 9-11, the NSA, uh, as I understand uh, from um, the speakers on the on the film A Good American, that uh, – the NSA was very concerned uh, about the Fourth Amendment and, and privacy. Uh, but now, uh, after 9-11, uh, that seems to have gone by the wayside. Correct. Prior to 9-11, the NSA's uh, uh, complete you know, philosophy regarding its surveillance capabilities was to uh, comply with, religiously, the dictates of the Fourth Amendment, the search and seizure, and... Uh, uh, you know, just the protection of our individual privacy in our uh, communications, in our um, uh, lives, in our uh, transactions, etc. All communications, everything digital, and so forth. So that what was a shock to the whistleblowers is right after 9-11, they saw that the replacement for thin thread the first thing was done is is the encryptions. There were three levels of in- encryptions. Uh, it, they were all removed immediately, and that really uh, raised uh, an incredible uh, fear in them to the point where they left. They had to leave the NSA. They could not stay there uh, and and be part of that. And then Diane Rourke, who was the senior staff or for the uh, House Intelligence Committee, she made uh, several attempts to try and warn uh, the heads of the House Intelligence Committee, and this is a very, very intriguing uh, se- segment of the story here, where in early 2001 and two, she pursued these, these policymakers saying, wait a minute, What's going on here is in violation of the Constitution, and if the public finds out about this, there are going to be repercussions. This is wrong. This should not be happening. It's illegal. So she brought that to the attention of uh, heads of the Intelligence Committee, Porter Goss, uh, Richard Burr, who was still, still there, by the way, and Nancy Pelosi. 
still there, obviously. And uh, she even tried to take it to Judge Chief Justice William Rehnquist, who was also head of the FISA court. And what she was met with was a wall of silence. It's as if they were all aware of the NSA policy and uh, its surveillance, its, its basic determination for full-blown surveillance, and they just kept quiet about it. They were not going to step in and, um, you know, hold it to account. And then what was uh, also a shock to uh, Diane Rourke was that she met twice with director Michael Hayden, and she pushed him on this, saying, you know, this is wrong, this is illegal. What's the explanation here of the, this NSA policy to uh, basically remove all levels of privacy protections? What's going on here? And uh, again, folks, remember this is right after 9-11. The country was, in governments, was kind of in a state of siege, I would call it. Um, it's definitely a state of emergency. Which can ha this is what governments do when they uh, uh, have the pretext to call you know state of war, state of emergency, where then uh, various constitutional protections get suspended. And uh, Michael Hayden's reply to her was, "Yes, we can do this now because we have the power. We have the power. They felt 9/11 was a gift. Correct. The NSA thought treated it like it was it was a gift. As a matter of fact, in the film, there's a uh, a high level executive uh, who says uh, th this is a gift, and we can use this to in increase budgets uh, that will keep us growing for 15 years. <laughs> uh, Les Jameson, uh, I'm speaking with uh, on the phone. Uh, Jeff, um, Les lives in New York City. We're talking about uh, the legislation that, the, well, actually, we're talking about the expiration of Section 702 of the FISA Act, which is due to expire December 31st, but there's legislation both to extend it and a legislation to uh, remove it or to modify it from the other side. Uh, but the question is, a lot of this isn't known very well, and we're going to talk about uh, a little bit more. We're going to go talk about exactly what Thin Thread was. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back. This is the beloved community. This is the beloved community. It's a grassroots effort, and part of that is what Les Jameson is doing right now with his website, hr14.org, helping to alert Americans uh, about something that the mainline mainstream media is really, it, it, it's hard to find stories. you got to kind of dig in uh, underneath to find any stories about um, the, the FISA and Section 702 and warrantless spying for uh, lack of a better word i think that's exactly what it is and uh less uh we are talking about um uh, the, the kind of the background about this now you did an interview with william binney uh he and uh, the nsa whistleblower he was with the nsa for uh 30 years wasn't he as a, a long time and he's one really that helped to get the nsa into the internet age can you talk a little bit about uh, his role right uh, he was a 30-year veteran of the NSA, and uh, when you know the digital age uh, emerged, he made efforts to um, modernize he, the, the the agency, along with uh, his colleagues Ed Loomis and uh, Kirk Wiebe, and uh, they recognized the the need to advance, and based on uh, the availability of of these technologies that would uh, enhance the NSA's capabilities to secure, you know, uh, to, to make national security effective. So uh, after the 93 Trade Center bombing, the, he went even into more uh, focus uh, to put together 
digital capabilities to enhance uh, the uh, effectiveness of the NSA's uh, uh, abilities to guard against such attacks in the f- in the future. Okay, so that said, uh, he developed, along with Ed Loomis, uh, a t- technology called ThinThread, which is a uh, a computerized way of analyzing bulk data that's collected uh, and just stored in, in, in servers, in computer servers, but it would uh, analyze the data to look for patterns that were suspicious as well as communications that, uh, uh, that could be connected to known locations of, uh, of, of suspicious activity or known locations where there were um, uh, terrorist cells. So that proved to be actually a, uh, a very effective and logical program. It included in three levels of encryption to protect, uh, you know, the, the privacy and the, the digital communications of everyone else. And like I said, within, if they would detect a certain pattern or communications in suspicious locations, it then automatically would notify the relevant agencies to take action. Now, um, that was it. That was the uh, the, the brilliance of FinThread. By the way, it'll cost nine and a half million dollars versus Trailblazer, which was the successor program which Michael Hayden pushed for, and uh, contractors were used. SAIC specifically. And, and Hayden that, was kind of connected with those with that group, right? Uh, he sure um, was was their advocate. That's for sure. Yes. And and he uh, well this program wound up calling, costing three point eight billion dollars and was a total failure and uh, as Diane Rourke warned it would be and it had to be shut down in two thousand and five now so going back to ThinThread prior to nine eleven uh, I just want to kind of uh, put out some perspective here like the, the landscape there had been warnings. Uh, actually, going back to two, uh, to 1995, with the discovery of uh, on a computer in the Philippines of a plot called Bojinka, a plan I should say, that was very similar to the 9/11 attacks. Then the year of 9/11, there were a myriad of warnings. Actually, 14 months before 9/11, there was a uh, uh, briefing by. Uh, Colonel Anthony Schaefer to a group of um, military uh, people in uh, Camp Wachuda, that's in California, uh, about what they had been discovering in a program called Able Danger. Able Danger was uh, it was a, a data mining operation, and they had digital communications watching basically a Mohammed Atta and a few others of the accused hijackers. So that was 14 months before. Fast forward up to the, the spring and summer of 9-11. 11 foreign countries all sent warnings of an impending attack that they had been observing through their intelligence uh, operations. Then, uh, let's see, we had Richard Clark, uh, who's the terrorism czar, counterterrorism czar, trying to get FaceTime with the president because of uh, uh, fears that he had based on his intelligence. Had uh, George Tenet, head of CIA, saying that he was running around with his hair on fire. Uh, John Ashcroft warned not to fly commercial jets in July. At the August 6th presidential daily briefing, which is a clear indication of impending attack, he had uh, put options on United in, Air, uh, uh, in American Airlines. And then also, there were <laughs> uh, many, many war games, drills, military drills uh, planned for the day of 9-11, some of which actually, um, uh, what's the word here? They, they, they were uh, drills that were Simu- simulated attack. The various, Simula- that's yeah. the word I'm looking for. Simulated uh, many aspects of the 9-11 attacks, including hijackings mm-hmm. and flying planes into buildings, including flying a, bl- a plane into uh, the Pentagon. 
So with all of that, how, here's the, the question. After everything I just listed, how could the NSA plausibly say we were just unaware, caught by surprise? Yeah, how could they do that? And they shut down Thin Thread three weeks before, after it had been in development for quite some time and uh, in, in real, real time. And so three weeks so, before uh, September 11th attacks, Thin Thread was shut down by the NSA. Correct. After, after the myriad of, of warnings of an impending attack, they shut it down. So I, as part of the actions that need to happen now is there needs to be an accounting for that decision, I say. And every member of Congress needs to be put on notice saying, this is what the NSA whistleblowers uh, have all uh, here. Uh, when I say all, I mean the, the ones in this, the film. Um, the film A Good, a Good American. American by Oliver Stone. That's actually out. Uh, I think you can watch it on Netflix. Exactly. But and, go ahead. Uh, you said uh, you were talking about the, the Congress needs to be put on uh, notice. Right. That uh, that the NSA uh, took a, a totally... Um, incongruous action here, totally uh, uh, con- counterintuitive action to shut down Thin Thread before 9-11, and uh, when, when it was most needed, that needs to be explained. There, there needs to be accountability for that. Then there needs to be accountability for uh, its uh, reaction to 9-11, where it uh, then went into full-blown surveillance mode but in a completely ineffective way because of the uh, inability to actually uh, get intelligence. Just collecting bulk data is not intelligence. And instead, according to William Benny, which I, I asked him in, in the interview about uh, the recent attack in uh, lower Manhattan where uh, a Muslim man rented a, a U-Haul, a, a pickup truck from yeah, Home Depot. just a few months ago. Killed uh, a few weeks ago. A, people on bikes and uh, injured, I think, 20 others. I, I asked him, could that have been detected due to uh, digital uh, communications uh, that were traceable to this individual? And he right away, he said, yes, absolutely, that could have been detected and prevented, and as well as uh, all, all these other uh, terrorist incidents across Europe. So what's going on here with the NSA? We need Congress to uh, do its job. We need the House Intelligence Committees to do their job to, uh, to, to correct this situation here. And, uh, and they are missing an action. We what, have to change that. One of the bills uh, before uh, Congress, now before the Senate, is from Oregon Senator Ron Wyden. Uh, and this is from his, uh, uh, the, his webpage, Ron Wyden's webpage. He says the bill reforms his bill, uh, the USA um, Rights Act, uh, reforms Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act to end warrantless backdoor searches of Americans' calls, emails, texts, and other communications that are routinely swept up under a program designed to spy on foreign targets. The sweeping authority has been clouded in secrecy. You were just talking about that, in part because the government refuses to answer essential questions about how it impacts Americans, including who can be targeted, how many American communications the government collects. And I'm quoting Wyden now. He says, without common sense protections for Americans' liberties, this vast surveillance authority is nothing less than an end run around the Constitution. Our bill, he says, gives intelligence agencies the authority they need to protect our country, but safeguards our essential freedoms with new provisions requiring judicial oversight and pushing back on the creeping expansion of secret law, end quote. So of Wyden's bill, is, is that good enough? Um, is that, is, it seems to me that there might want to be a bill just to knock off Section 702 altogether. I, I would agree. I think it could go farther. And uh, <clears throat> other uh, civil liberties watchdog groups uh, are looking at that and, uh, from what I've seen, uh, agree that it could go farther. So that is a good point. And uh, I think it also needs to um, that 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 Congress uh, should completely uh, you know pull out Section 702. But uh, as I say, uh, the, the House Intelligence Committees uh, I think need to create a new sort of uh, 
church-like committee, where uh, the Frank Church Committee that, uh, in the, I believe, in the 1980s, after Iran-Contra uh, examined and attempted to prosecute um, abuses by the intelligence agencies. We need a, a new version of that type of uh, of, of, of uh, a government-based tribunal to really push back on the uh, these intelligence agencies and, and what they have tried to create uh, in, in, in their their roles, actually, in uh, putting us in, in this incredible shock in all reality uh, with 9-11 and all the consequences since. So uh, it's very serious, and we, you know, I think as a public, this is an issue that everybody across the ideological spectrum uh, is alarmed about in terms of uh, the, uh, the the all-out invasion of privacy and the fact that it's all completely been ineffective in actually stopping any type of uh, threat to national security. So there needs to be a, a, a real accountability here, and, and this uh, is a combination of help the public coming to the realization that 9-11 did not have to happen. Yeah, and you talk about shock and awe. I mean, I think that's what Americans, they just feel uh, kind of shock and in numb, and the government says, well, they need this. Well, I guess I'm not doing anything wrong, so the government spies on me. I guess that's okay, and we just kind of let this let this happen. What is the status of, of uh, the legislation today? Um, uh, is it still possible for a vote um, uh, as of today, do you do you know? And is and you mentioned also to talk about some uh, covert uh, action uh, by uh, Mitch McConnell and uh, Paul Ryan. Right, right. Well, uh, last week, uh, let's see, there was legislation that was submitted by uh, let's see, Devin Nunes, head of the House Intelligence Committee. And that legislation is to actually uh, uh, make permanent the uh, uh, Section 702 of FISA. Let me see what that number is. Uh, it's it's uh, it's up at hr14.org. His his twelve nine. He's in the Senate, right? Uh, he's in the House. He's in the House. That's HR 4478. I think is that the one. I think it's 1297. Oh, 1297, okay. No, 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 I'm sorry, that's Senate. Yeah. Senate, 1297, right. it's yeah. It's 4478, that's it, you're right. And uh, uh, so th- that, to, to answer your question, John, uh, that was already in committee on Friday. It was sub- submitted last Tuesday, and on Friday they had it in committee for markup. So, yes, there could be um, an attempt to bring that to the floor for a vote. And uh, that's why we're in a very, very uh, critical juncture here, time-wise, and we need folks to uh, go to hr14.org, look at the action alert. It's all there, and uh, we're asking folks to just take 10, 15 minutes to make some phone calls and then urge others to do the same thing. Post this on your uh, social networking uh, sites. Also, join our Facebook page because uh, it's very important that we, we work to organize and mobilize on this uh, in, in, in the coming days and months. And uh, though, now, in terms of the covert action that could also happen now, what that is, um, according to the Ron Paul Institute, uh, Mitch McConnell, uh, leader of the House and uh, no, Senate Majority Leader, and uh, let's see, Paul Ryan, Leader of the House could submit a rider into the end of year spending bill and hide the language to extend Section 702 of FISA in that rider. They've done these kinds types of um, sort of uh, you know very covert things before, and where they want to hide something in it, and then people uh, in Congress are voting on various. Uh, other related, uh, I should say unrelated legislation don't even know it's there. And uh, given the speed at which things are happening here, uh, yeah, they may have zero awareness of what they're voting for. So that's something to watch for, and that's why also as part of this action alert, uh, we need to make sure we call their um, offices to to, uh, urge them, do not 
attempt to submit uh, any extension of Section 702 within the end-of-year spending bill or any other unrelated legislation. Let me just push back. What people might 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 say is, as I would, oh, it's so much exaggeration. Uh, they, they, they are the NSA. They're they're the government, the FBI. They aren't out to get Americans. They're they they just need this information to get the bad guys. And uh, and so we should be good patriots and and kind of uh, go along here. That's the uh, people are panicking us with worrying about seven hundred two and and uh, warrantless spying and whatnot. It's 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 part of what is needed to keep America safe. What do, you, what do you say to that if you're in an elevator? Mm-hmm. Well, then the logical action would be to implement the thin thread technology. Why haven't uh, uh, the NSA just re- reestablished thin thread? Because that's exactly what it was capable of doing. And you know how that's proven? Because Thomas Drake while at the NSA, and I think it was around 2003, he ran the thin thread software against the database prior to 9-11 of, of all the bulk data in uh-huh. yeah. the service and discovered uh, actions having to do with two of the alleged hijackers that were in San Diego. So that, that part of the 9-11 plot would have been detected and that alone could have, uh, very likely, would have obstructed, uh, averted the entire plot. So there's something, something else going on that we have no idea, or maybe we have an idea, but uh, that we're not being told about of, of what's behind all of this um, surveillance. Um, we're going to come back and talk more. We're going to take a break right now. This is the Beloved Community. I'm John Schock. I'm speaking with Les Jameson, uh, Les Jameson of New York. We're talking about the section 702 of FISA which expires at the on December 31st 2017 uh, letting that expire uh, would end the sweeping up of information from Americans as they communicate uh, with foreign individuals basically uh, access to emails texts all of that stuff is is, is now uh, they're, they're using that legally to basically gather information on Americans and uh, 702 would stop that hole uh, or the ending of 702 would stop that hole so we're going to talk more about that and take your phone calls right after the break. This is the beloved community. I'm John Schenck, and I'm speaking with Les Jameson, uh, Les from New York City. We're talking about uh, Section 702 of FISA, which expires December 31st, and many people just simply don't even know about it, don't know what FISA is, don't know what 702 is. Well, why are we so in the dark, Les? Well, we are in the dark <clears throat> because this is a, uh, a law uh, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, uh, which uh, very few people really understand the uh, significance of and the, the reasons for. It's all basically there in place for use by the uh, our spy agencies like the NSA, CIA, and uh, the Department of Defense uh, intelligence agencies. And, and uh, with Section 702, it's a fairly recent uh, Amendment from 2008 that uh, was kind of in reaction to the revelations of uh, Edward Snowden, but uh, now uh, it, it was it's set to expire at the end of this month, Section 702, and that is what has been used as a pretext for warrantless spying. And this is all uh, according to uh, experts on this issue and whistleblowers who. Uh, have been watching this and organizations like the uh, American Civil Liberties Union and many other watchdog groups are all up in arms over uh, Section 702 and the uh, the attempt to now make it permanent, which which may actually uh, uh, occur if we're not careful here. So um, it's it's we're, we're in the dark uh, because you know the the prevailing 
argument has been uh, by the intelligence agencies, the military, the government, is that uh, we are in a period of grave threat to our safety and security, and we, uh, you know, are um, under attack left and right, and, and ISIS and Al-Qaeda is out there to, um, you know, bring down America. So there's this, been this huge fear-mongering uh, to, to kind of uh, put the... Uh, uh, the the psyche of the American public in this state of uh, of of great fear and dread. So, with all of that, though, it's now we have to take this information from in this film, A Good American, and everything that we're speaking about today, and point out to the public that by uh, the dictates of logic would say that. Due to the fact that technology called thin thread existed prior to 9/11, that could have prevented the 9/11 attacks, according to these whistleblowers themselves, who who designed this technology, that uh, in, and and instead, it could have and it could have encrypted and protected uh, the Fourth Amendment and people's privacy as well, and that's the yes, exactly, I'm, exactly. So the public needs to now look and, and see that. Uh, Instead of being protected and in, in having national security uh, strengthened, the opposite has occurred. That it, with the the uh, scuttling of thin thread, the ending of that program weeks before 9/11, when there was no reason to do so, and there was every reason to utilize thin thread. Now we have to look and question this, and then then also question. Why is it that our uh, the NSA's policies have uh, enacted these in these huge surveillance programs that also uh, um, interface with the telecom companies where they can you know uh, learn all about our digital communication, all about our, our activity, all about uh, everything that that uh, we do in our daily lives, to believe it or not, whether where we travel. Yeah, let's, let's, I'm going to take less. I'm going to take a phone call here. I got uh, yep. Forrest from uh, Cedar Hills on the line. Welcome. Great. Yes, hello. You're you're on. Thanks for calling the Love Community. You have a question or a comment for Les? I do. Uh, your guest just mentioned a word that I think is critical in this discussion, and it very seldom ever gets brought uh, brought up, especially in the mainstream media. That word is psyche, and I. It's always been my contention from the very beginning. Uh, days after 9-11 that regardless of the facts, regardless of what we see with our eyes and what we read in our research about the events of that day, the real challenge for anyone who questions what, you know, we're, we're being told as opposed to what we see with our own eyes is overcoming the psychological uh, impact of that day and uh, I think you know you can lay out volumes of facts about you know what we were what we saw and then what we were being told and the discrepancies therein and it makes no difference whatsoever until you overcome the psychological impact of that day and I, I thoroughly believe that whoever perpetrated those events was well aware of what would happen to the American psyche after that spectacle. So I propose that until professionals who are schooled in human psychology are brought into this discussion, we will get nowhere with discovering what is the real truth of the events of that day. So I would like your guest to comment on that. Yeah, th thank you, Boris. Uh, last thoughts about that. I'm thinking of the psychologist. I'm thinking of Francis Schur, uh, who was a psychologist writing uh, why, why Good People Are Silent or Worse about 9-11. But go ahead, Les. Do you have thoughts about the, the psyche of America? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like Francis Schur, there uh, are several others, uh, colleagues of hers, who have looked at this very issue where uh, it is so shocking when it when one attempts to contemplate the uh, how the attacks 
happened, and then the implications that we have been lied to uh, by by government as to what actually occurred and how those attacks occurred, and we have been uh, in, instead set upon this path here of uh, endless wars and um, occupations across the planet, and this uh, basically <clears throat> destabilization of whole regions, which all uh, you know, basically have an impact here at home. Okay, so this is uh, the world that we are living in, and then with the uh, uh, burgeoning uh, powers and invasion of the surveillance state, this is uh, again a very, very uh, um, a crazy and uh, uh, very upsetting time. So the the psyche uh, is is of the American people is. Um, something that one could argue uh is is being taken advantage of by uh those the, the policymakers who want to, to continually bloat the uh the budgets for these agencies and the military and then these wars and so forth now in terms of uh overcoming the challenges of dealing with the implications of the 9/11 attacks uh this is what Franchure and others um have uh have looked into and to to find ways where the american people can um sort of 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 find the strength within mentally and emotionally to uh to 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 have the ability to then look at the information and uh then take any appropriate steps that we need to take as a as a nation and uh i i w- i would just say this that um, th- our greatest hope is to get to the underlying facts and the truth of 9-11 and then as a nation uh, rise to the occasion here to hold our uh, official government agencies and institutions accountable and that would be the strength that the world would uh, hold in the highest respect and honor, and this is what we do need uh, to it, do to restore to do. our integrity and honor as as a nation. So I'm, I'm speaking with Les. Les, I want to I want to get we've got, we've got about a few minutes left here, and I want to get another phone call in here. Ross from Brazil. Ross, are you there? That's correct. I'm, I am here. Yes, you're calling from uh, the country Hello? of Brazil. Yes, I am. All right, well, great, Ross. What is hearing? All right. Well, <laughs> uh, what do you have? A, let's. Uh, what do you have? A question or comment for Les? Well, first, I'd like to thank you for your work. You know, Les knows me. I'm Ross Muir. I work with him in New York on the 9/11 Truth Action Group. Um, so I just wanted to thank you all for your work, but also wanted to say that I hope we don't really miss the point. I think really this NSA issue is not just about a willful negligence on 9/11, but more of a issue of potential criminal um, intent. Um, you know, we really should be talking about, you know, did Bin Laden plant explosives in the buildings and not, you know, who did the hijackings or could they have been prevented? Just wanted to add that as I think we might be a little bit off point in terms of what the real core issue is. I, you know, you make a good point there. I think one of the questions that people f- who, who certainly uh, doubt the official story of, of 9-11 are thinking, oh, wait a second, are we missing the, uh, you know, the destruction of the world, the, the, the facts of 9-11 itself? But on the other hand, when you have something about uh, the, uh, the NSA, regardless of what you feel about 9-11, um, th- this action of the 702 is is important for all Americans, even if they haven't come aware of the 9-11 truth. Let's go ahead. You, you make your thoughts there. Yeah, uh, I would agree, and I think we all agree on this. And, and It's a matter of recognizing the value the, of, of these NSA whistleblowers actually coming right out openly stating that the 9-11 attacks could have been averted, the capability existed, and this is public knowledge uh, that is being recognized on a, a wide spectrum of, uh, of, of, of the national landscape. So, I mean, uh, just, just Google uh, NSA and uh, ThinThread technology or NSA William Binney whistleblowers, and you'll see the coverage out there. It's been very widespread, which is a positive for everyone uh, who wants the public to re-engage and come to a new realization about 9-11. Uh, and, and yes, all, all the 
uh, evidence, hopefully uh, the, the evidence of the other aspects of 9-11 having to do with the, the physical evidence, the, uh, the, the collapse of, of the towers, can all receive a new, uh, new, new level of awareness. And so it's, it's all, I see it all as is, is, um, very much connected and part of a greater whole. And, uh, and, and also what we need though right now is for Americans to put their Congress members and legislators on notice that we are aware of, of the, the uh, testimonies of NSA whistleblowers saying that 9-11 should have been prevented. It wasn't. The NSA made a deliberate decision to do the opposite. Instead of protect the company, they, the country, they took an action that ensured basically that those attacks would happen, that we would be uh, vulnerable for attack, and it did occur, and that's been their policy ever since, in which is inexplicable, and we need accountability. And, and so with Congress, the, the reality is we have people there who are uh, quite aware of these issues. Some are semi-aware, some are not aware at all. Uh, others are maybe uh, actually feel intimidated by the powers of the uh, intelligence agency. Yeah, that there. could be the case. Uh, last, we just got 30 seconds left. This hour went whizzing by. Uh, I, I want to thank you for being with me, but I want to, again, uh, talk about your, give, give you out your website again and uh, mention your call to action here in about 10 seconds. Sure. HR14.org. That's HR14.org. You'll see uh, an article called The Role, NSA Role on 9-11 and a section on action alerts. Please join our Facebook group, get in touch uh, in the About Us section, and uh, we can really make an impact uh, that will bring this level of 9-11 uh, activism and deep state exposure activism to a new level. And uh, now is the time in history. This is a very uh, uh, point of departure here. Sounds good. Les uh, Jamison, my guest uh, from New York City, talking about uh, 702 of the FISA Act, which expires at the end of the month and uh, is an opportunity for people to become aware and talk to their Congress people. This is the Beloved Community. I'm John Shuck. Every second Friday at 9 a.m. Sam, thank you uh, for a beautiful job engineering. 